morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Devs Talking. Uh, tonight, we are going to uh, sort of follow the news a little bit um, and talk about um, Microsoft's acquisition of GitHub and then sort of segue from that into a discussion about some of the tech giants and, um, and our feelings about uh, how they're impacting industry, um, what as developers uh, we're interested, whose technology we're interested in using and why, um, and a little bit from, a, and not as much from a, a maybe a technical level, but from a, you know, who do you trust, who do you like, why would you, uh, would you or you, would you not use uh, some organization's technology? So uh, with me as usual are the Jameses. I've got James Thomas. Howdy, y'all. And I got James Spargo. Good evening, everyone. And David Nelson is here as well. Hello, hello. And I am Kevin Hickey. So um, I want to kick it off, like I said, um, talking a little bit about uh, what was relatively surprising, I guess, news. I don't know. Were you guys surprised by the news? I saw it breaking over the weekend, and then it hit Monday. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, so I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> okay. So, so Microsoft is planning on acquiring GitHub. It's going to take a little while to get through regulatory, but it's been announced. They've made a deal. I think it's some $7 billion, which um, seems like a, both a lot of money, but also not a ton of money for a tech buyout these days, I guess. I want $7 billion. <laughs> I would be happy with just a single billion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody said it was uh, like $100 per repo, give or take, which... You know, yeah. And I did hear, I saw a, like some Microsoft person, and I'm not sure if this is, I doubt this is really true, but they basically said with the number of private repos they had, it was just cheaper for them to buy it than keep paying for subscriptions. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, I, yeah I not only not true, but I really like the meme. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I mean, I will say, you know, my, my organization uses, uh, uses GitHub Enterprise and we have a, a gajillion and a half repos. So if we uh, don't have some kind of uh, site contract, we're probably paying through the nose too. Yeah, I, I know, I know we're, about to, we're about to move from GitLab to GitHub for, uh, at, at my jobby job. I, personally, I'm keeping all my GitLab repos at GitLab. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, and and sort of and sort of to that, right? GitLab was was all over the 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 Twitters this weekend talking about how they've had like a five x increase in uh, new GitLab repos following the news. It was ten x when I saw it, and at some point, somebody said they crashed. Man, that's not saying much. It doesn't take much to crash Git, GitLab. I, I love see that. That's what's really interesting. I, I like they've had a number of fairly high profile sort of infrastructure incidents in the past few years. It's interesting that they're getting that they're still getting this much. Yeah, I, I love GitLab, man. It's it's uh, they're they're one of my favorites mainly because they're they're open source and they're giving me the community and and they allow a lot of like like free as in uh, beer um, services. Uh, but yeah, they, they seriously, if, if they're going to like seriously be a competitor against GitHub or, or I, like anybody else, I guess, um, they're going to have to seriously step up their game. Right. Fair enough. So the exodus from GitHub, um, or it's not really an exodus, but that certainly that increase in GitLab traffic was driven from people, you know, leaving GitHub on the premise that, you know, Microsoft, and I saw a lot of man, and I haven't seen this in in some time, but M dollar sign uh, or Microsoft spelled with a dollar sign. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. People complaining about old M dollar sign was going to uh, was going to take over. Yeah, MoneySoft was going to take over GitHub and, yeah. and wreck it. Um, uh, so I guess that's sort of where I want to start today. What um, hot takes? What do you think? Is is GitHub doomed? 
Uh, are they going to be okay? And has Microsoft's behavior sort of redeemed them or not in, in recent years? I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky question because certainly I think that Microsoft is in better hands now that a technologist is running them. Um, Steve Ballmer was a business guy. He saw everything through the lens of business and not through technology and what was good for a tech company to, to be. And so under Satya, who came up you know, through the ranks as a software developer, um, I, I think they're definitely in better hands. And I think that, that they've at least shown that they are uh, willing and able to, to, to make changes and, and, and be more of a positive um, influence in the tech community. Um, I mean, certainly there are people with long memories that will remember that like this is this can in certain ways feel like the the old um, embrace uh, extend extinguish kind of uh, methodology that they practiced back in the nineties. Yeah, I have seen that that yeah. trilogy more times in the last weekend than I have yeah, in the last it, five it just, years. Yeah, it just doesn't ring true for for me. I I'm I'm very comfortable with Microsoft um, having the reins on on GitHub because really, you you could only have a few players that that could actually take it. It really could have only been like one of a handful of companies, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Google, Facebook, um, one of the tech giants, Amazon also. Um, God forbid Oracle. Yeah, or, or <laughs> Oracle. Uh, I'm, I'm going to genuflect here because that, no, that's no good. Um, and so like of, of that crew, um, Microsoft is probably the least bad option. Maybe Google would be okay, but Google isn't invested in Git the way Microsoft is. Like Microsoft is a heavy contributor to Git because they're trying to make it something that will work well for them. So they're heavily invested in in Git itself, and so yeah, I'm I'm comfortable with it. I do think that's a key point, and uh, I've seen it a lot in the last couple of days. But I think a lot of people miss it is just how much active contribution Microsoft does to all kinds of development tools to Git itself. Um, to to compilers, uh, you know uh, the, the Ruby compilers. To somebody who's talking about Microsoft Research, is it's contributing a lot to Haskell compilers. Like the, they are very involved in the development ecosystem, inclu- including but not limited to the open source development ecosystem. Uh, and I, regardless of whether of how much that is related to their stewardship of GitHub, I think that's just a piece that a lot of people miss. They they still think of Microsoft as an entirely closed source proprietary company, and no doubt there's still a lot of that, but they also are very much involved in the open. Right, but that's only that's only come up in like the last what five to ten years yeah. lately. Um, yeah, about about <laughs> you know the, the the timeline generally given is like it's been internally it's been ten years publicly visible it's been five years. Right. Okay. Because I mean I I, th- I think about Microsoft and open source and and I mean while this is kind of an esoteric quote, um, I, like the the first thing that comes to my mind is is like Bill Gates, like sitting there kind of not really having a fit, but sitting here saying like, no, I don't want to help out the Linux and and the Linux community um, because I don't want to do all the work and let everybody else get the benefit. And and that's what comes to my mind. So, I mean, that, that makes me a little bit skeptical about it. And you are not the only one, right? But at the same time, I would say that's that is that is three leadership transitions ago, right? And so I'm, that's 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 not unlike saying that Xerox is is still the the innovator that's creating all the things. Yeah. Um, right. That was certainly true at one time. Now they make a darn mediocre copier, right? But I, so I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of look at Microsoft jump, finally jumping into the the open source community and, and starting to contribute as more of a, a necessity to stay relevant as opposed to a, a, a business expenditure um, and like actually trying to make money. It's like, hey, you know what? We actually value people more than products. 
Um, and to me, that's kind of where the big value of open source is because is it puts the value of, of software development and engineering back on people as opposed to the actual product. It's like, you go, okay, here's, here's the software and application. You can use it all you want, but you know what? You're not going to be able to add features, check out bugs, fix things, un- unless you've got the people that actually know how to do it. So, James, I, I'm curious because I, because I agree with you. I, I think the, I, I think the, the sort of relatively fast for an organization of its size sort of jumping onto the open source train uh, was out of necessity. I think they did see the writing on the, on the wall of Windows particularly, but sort of the proprietary closed source software in the cloud era generally. Um, the big question to me, though, is not, is not necessarily was it driven by necessity or by out of you know, sort of desire, but is it genuine? Like, okay, maybe some people at the top said, boy, this, this old model isn't working anymore. We, this, this open source thing seems to be a thing. Developers like it. It gets, gets us mind share. Maybe we should be involved in that. And maybe that was the reason they did it. But did it, I mean, if, did they go on to actually execute that transition? And, by, and kind of what I mean by that is like, even if the people who initially made the decision or at least signed off on the decision weren't necessarily doing it altruistically, I mean, very few people do very, you know, do much altruistically, uh, you know, is the company as it now exists as a result of that transition, one that is faithfully executing an open source? Because to me, that's the big question. I'm not saying yes or no either way. I'm just saying to me, that's a, a more important question than, you know, were they crappy towards open source for 30 years? Yes, they most certainly were. You know, did did the transition that they've gone through? You know, was it? Did they want to do it, or did they have to do it? I, probably they had to do it. But where are they now? Fair. I I don't know. I I see it as 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 they 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 kind of have well intentions. But I mean, then again, on the other hand, I I I I still have a, a fair amount of distrust. Yeah. See, I have. I think I have a little bit a, a little bit subtle different take on it. Is that is that I think that. I'm not sure that Microsoft actually cares about open source specifically or that they've had any kind of revelation or they see the light, right? What I think that they care about um, is the development community and developers like open source. Therefore, Microsoft likes open source now. And, and, and I think that, and, and this is, and this sort of goes to a, a broader take that I've had for a little while. And, and I saw, I saw uh, Satya speak uh, probably about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago at an event. And I, after hearing him speak, I made so, uh, sort of a bold declaration. And that was that three to five years from then, so two to four years from now, um, Microsoft will be the Apple and Apple will be the Microsoft. And what I mean by that is that, that at, the, you know, at the time and even for the most part today, developers buy MacBooks because they and not everybody and 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 you know certainly there are exceptions but for the most part developers buy macbooks because you have a stable unix like environment you can you can program for any platform Mike, uh, apple had has been pretty developer friendly they've got a good tool set they've got good integration with various things developers developers work for the platform and microsoft i think they my my view is that they recognized especially around the time that windows phone failed that they were losing the developer community and that Apple, the thing that Apple had that they didn't have was a huge army of people willing to write apps for their platform. And so they committed themselves 
to making an environment that was friendly for developers. And from that came VS Code, it came the open sourcing of .NET, it came a lot of these contributions, it came the inclusion of, um, you know, they couldn't figure out how to Unixify Windows in any kind of um, man- you know, uh, manageable timeframe. So they, they, they built the, the Linux into Windows uh, platform and all these things that they've done, Linux on Azure, all these things that they've done has been catering to the developer community because they realized that the thing they were missing in their ecosystem was developers and apps. And since then, they've been innovating on hardware. They're, they're ahead of Apple on touchscreens, on AR, on form factors and Surface. On, I love their they hardware, have, man. Yeah, they've got a gaming platform in Xbox. <clears throat> they've got a whole bunch of things. And, and I, my, my hot take is that, is that they're well on their way. And this is just another step in the journey to building a developer-friendly ecosystem that's going to that's gonna put them back as like the, the hot platform that people want to own, people want to buy, people will spend money on. I can see that. So I, I very much agree that that is their play. What's interesting when you compare Microsoft and Apple in that statement is I, I don't know. I mean, certainly there are plenty of Apple, you know, plenty of developers who like the Apple ecosystem, but there's a whole ton more that I see who don't really like the Apple ecosystem. They just don't have a choice. Uh, I mean, iOS in particular has such a, uh, you know, is so dominant in the market, you, you can't not build an iOS app if you're building, if you're building mobile apps. Uh, and as a result of that, you, and because Apple requires you to do all that development on a Mac, you have to have a Mac. Undoubtedly, I mean, I, you know, Mac as a development platform for a number of years, uh, I'll say was, I think I'm comfortable saying was, a better development platform than Windows, even for general purpose development. No question of that. But I think it's it's maintained because you kind of you kind of have to have a Mac to do anything on iOS. Whereas Android development and most server side development can be done kind of on any platform. But if I have to have to have the Mac anyway, I have to have the Mac. So I, to me, that it's sort of a it's sort of the opposite. It's not that Apple has created an environment that developers love to go to. It's that developers don't really have a choice, yeah. and the ecosystem is manageable so that they can build. Not that I mean I don't know if you've used Xcode recently, but yeah. good lord, uh, uh, I mean people people. People complain about Visual Studio, but I, it's not even a close comparison. Yeah, I mind. did. I did try to use Xcode recently, and then I bailed out to uh, JetBrains again because it was it was right. It was As untenable. Yeah, I so I I think I I agree with you, and I, but I think what my and again I think what Microsoft is doing is they're creating an alternative um, topic for another probably podcast. But I think that the rise of um, progressive web apps and some other some other technologies is going to displace that need to build a native app, but we can put a pin in that for another yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that. <laughs> yeah. But kind of my, 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 my sort of ending thought there was that like Microsoft is going about it the other direction. The truth is Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, windows lock in aside and to some extent office lock in aside, Microsoft has often struggled to create an ecosystem that, that end users really want to come to. Xbox, I, I agree that Xbox is there now, but it didn't start out there. Right. Uh, and, and there's a number of other examples. You know, I mean, good lord. <laughs> Windows, uh, Windows Phone, Windows Phone, for that matter. Windows right? Phone, in multiple iterations of Windows Phone, right? Like they've often failed to create to create the consumer demand that drives the developer necessity. So developers ignore Microsoft not because the ecosystem is that much worse, I don't think, but just because they can. They can they can afford to not pay attention to, to Microsoft sort of ecosystem. They can't afford to, to right. not pay attention to Apple. So in in light of your sort of prediction, the key question for me is 
even if, I mean, Apple, in my mind, has not done a good job of catering develop, to developers, maybe ever, certainly for a number of years. Uh, but I don't know that that matters so much if they can maintain the consumer demand. I don't know that they can. There's certainly signs that they're losing. Right, and, and, that's, and that's, sort of the, that's sort of the corollary in the second half of my assertion is that Microsoft is, so what Microsoft has done is they have created a desirable development platform, and then they've also started to do things to create devices that people are going to prefer to Apple's devices is is my right. is my assertion. And when and when and once they solve whatever they're going to do for mobile, right? Which they they still have a huge gap in their portfolio on mobile, but they've they've nailed tablet or or tab laptop or whatever they're calling Surface these days. Netbooks or whatever those whatever they are, they've nailed that. They've nailed right. um, content creator with uh, with their with their Surface line. They've they've nailed a bunch of things. And so I my my this is the and this is why it's going to take a few more years. But my prediction is that once they create a device ecosystem that people are willing to jump to, developers will will flock to them because of the things they've done to cater to developers. And then they'll have the app ecosystem that they were missing the last time. I could see that. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Yeah. I might be right. Check me in a couple of years. Remind me. Dot, dot, dot. Um, yeah. So one of the other potential buyers of GitHub was Google, or so, or so it's been said. And GitHub said that they deliberately chose to sell themselves to Microsoft over Google. Um, they actually had ethics on this one. Maybe. Right. And so why? So thanks. Because why? Why would you? Why do you put it that way? Because I, I think I agree with you on, on that statement, but I'd like to, to hear so, it. Oh, sure. All right. Yeah. Let's go off on a tangent. Um, one of my uh, so o- overall, I, I like GitHub. Um, I, I love Git um, and GitHub does a, a, a rather um, well or rather, in my opinion, it does a rather good uh, user experience um, as a uh, um, uh, a pointy, pointy, clicky, clicky user interface um, over Git. Um, uh, uh, however, I, I don't know. It, I I don't. I tend to look at uh, like companies and organizations holistically. Sometimes, um, at the very least, um, if I know that like some of their company internals are scumbags, so Uber is a shining example of that. They they have a great business. They have a great business model, and and. That while they might be doing a little bit better now, a handful of years ago, their 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 executives was it was a big pile of scumbags, and I don't I like go out of my way to not use Uber because their executives are scumbags. At one point in time, I was interviewing with Uber, um, and and like I made it like next thing I know, hey, it's on site, and I started thinking about it, and um, I, I I was like, you know what, actually. I'm going to go make my money somewhere else. Granted, I'm not going to be rich. Sure. Uh, but, um, but, but I, I'm, I, at least I can, I can sleep safely at night knowing or sleep well at night, knowing that I don't work for a company of scumbags. Um, right. so, uh, GitHub. Well, while, if you were ever going to work for them before, you're not now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, <laughs> that, that's fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, uh, GitHub, on the other hand, um, they, they've they've kind of got a little bit of smudges there with um, with with some of the articles and whatnot that, that have come out with some from some of the women in tech that have been there. Granted, this is a handful of years ago, but I, I also haven't really seen much to, to to redeem themselves. Now, that being said, I don't think like if if I'm going to scale scumbags, 
um, GitHub is much lower on the scumbag scale than Uber is, I would say. Um, I'm probably shooting myself with in the foot with both of these organizations <laughs> at this point, but eh, whatever. Uh, I'm getting up in years. Who cares? Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think, I, I don't know. I like GitHub, but it's still questionable to me. Okay, fair enough. I actually kind of thought you were, because where I was leading that was was on the side of uh, choosing to sell themselves to Microsoft instead of Google. Um, because because Google Google's kind of had a, a little bit of a, a little, little bit of a PR hard time lately in terms of being part of that ad tech industry and oh, yeah. and GitHub basically and, and again for the from the you know the one third hand report that I read and kind of said you know what we don't necessarily think it's a good idea to contribute to that data pool and that ecosystem, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 I. Um, there, there's a handful of things about Google that I'm not so crazy about. Um, I'm not going to go into them because I'm going to save my feet on this one. But um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's, but I mean, Google is also a massive company. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a tons of ethical reasons as to why I, I'm not super crazy about. Um, I'm not super crazy about uh, Amazon either, um, or, uh, Google or Amazon for that matter. A- Amazon, I, I kind of think, is starting to become the 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 Walmart of, of the tech age in the sense that they're so freaking big that they can put the smaller mom and pop businesses, um, out of business simply by taking a loss on, on this business revenue, um, so that they can drive customers, uh, to their, to their other business, um, venue. So one of the things that I sort of want to open up to is, is, is that, so you're right. i like, I am concerned about Amazon's impact on the world, but when we start to look at the business models of these different companies, so in particular, I'm thinking about kind of the, the big cloud players, perhaps. So we've got sort of the Azure cloud, we've got the Google cloud, and we've got the Amazon cloud. When right. you're talking about those and you follow the business models of those different organizations, does that lead you, does that lead you anywhere? Do you, have a, do you make any sort of, as a developer or you know, as a participant in that ecosystem, do you make any choices based on that? Does that lead you anywhere? Uh, me, uh, I, I, I hate to say, so, I mean, I, I don't know uh, all of those organizations. I'm so Google is, is, is evil because one, they, they deleted, don't be evil from their company tagline Two, because they're, they're collecting every single shred of data in the world and, and analyzing us and modeling us after that. Um, and, and I, I think that they just haven't been discovered with the Cambridge Analytica type stuff. Um, and then Microsoft Azure, uh, uh, okay. So Microsoft is, 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 I'll agree with some of the sentiments that have been expressed here this evening that, that Microsoft is, is doing better, um, uh, in the, in the world as far as like actually caring about things other than money. Um, uh, so yeah, they're, they're probably the least evil out of them all, out of all of them, but I would more than likely choose Amazon, um, in spite of my feelings about Amazon because of how big they are, because of how easy it is, um, that, that other people know that, know they, they, they know the Amazon and AWS ecosystem and, and, and things of that nature. And so it's, it's, it's more portable as opposed to, um, as opposed to going with some esoteric thing. Now on the other, on the flip side of that, I would, I would also try to be as, um, do things in a way as much as possible that, that prevented me from, from the whole problem of vendor lock-in so that as soon as I had a more viable option to get the hell off of Amazon, um, dude, I'm gone. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So 
there, there's an interesting that was one of the interesting takes I've seen is uh, two two things related to that is uh, you know some people even people who are generally positive about Microsoft and are like hey they'll probably do a good job with GitHub have expressed the concern of like we we really are. I mean, we're already there, but we're certainly moving even farther into the sort of you know tech hegemony future, where a handful of very large companies control just about everything in the tech world. So there, some people are seeing this as you know GitHub getting bought is sort of the uh, yet another the death of yet another sort of independent popular service yeah. that seemed on the face of it to be operating fine on its own. Now a lot of what we're seeing is they probably weren't fine on their own. Uh, they, you know, financially, they probably needed the, you know, the resources of some big, big company. Um, they, it wasn't just a, you know, a cash out. Uh, but so, so that, but that aside, it's certainly on from a from an optics point of view, this is a giant tech company, you know, gobbling up even more of the tech space. And even if you are a fan of Microsoft, that's maybe worth considering. Like, is this is that what we want? And can we actually do anything about it if it's even if it's not? Yeah, and I don't know if there was really a choice in this um, because you know you alluded to you know GitHub probably needed somebody to be bought, and it's just kind of that we uh, we ended up letting this this happen where we had this um, company that that was independently started up, did well, and was kind of a victim of its own success. Uh, really, um, it 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 got. Too big. They didn't turn to, to a sustainable model in time, and so there was really no way out except for them to be absorbed by someone big enough to take them, which just happened to be one of the the tech uh, hegemony. And so I, I just I don't know if there was a a, a way out for them as a, the way that startups kind of operate these days is that they drive hard for growth and not sustainability. And I mean that's kind of a larger discussion though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I heard talk about, um, and and one of the concerns raised about this was, and and I don't, I actually deliberately don't want to pick on Microsoft here, even though even though I'm going to list things that Microsoft bought, but people people sort of, um, some of the concern was driven from the Skype acquisition, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, allegedly the LinkedIn acquisition. Although personally, I haven't seen a lot of difference in LinkedIn since then, and a couple of Wait, others. Microsoft acquired LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, I should that read was the like, internet. Right. <laughs> Thirty billion, wasn't yeah. it? It was some crazy. It was it was it was a lot of money. And then you know, other ones, a little little bit smaller, but things like Wonderlist, which they basically they took over and then and then ended up decommissioning for to some extent. But Skype was sort of the big one where people said, "Look, you know, Skype. I liked Skype, and then Skype got bought by Microsoft, and now Skype is unusable." Yeah. But at the same time, when I I remember. That around the time that Skype was being bought was was during the rise of Signal, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and all these other things. Where Skype was was I remember they were like they were the originals in the space. They were the thing that you could use to make phone calls to your friends and family overseas, yeah. right? And they were and they were the big communications platform for sort of the the tech diaspora, as it were. And now, and and at the time they got bought by Microsoft, they were falling into irrelevance. And then people sort of, for some reason, ascribed like the final stages of their downfall to that acquisition. And I wonder if, you know, I don't think GitHub is in is any kind of state of decline, but I wonder if there's maybe a false comparison there when you look at some of these things that have been bought and then allegedly destroyed. Were they really destroyed by the by the acquisition, or were they were they in imminent destruction anyway? And sort of. 
um, just just kept a, kept around by the acquisition. Right, I know Skype is like Microsoft's sort of default uh, VoIP service for the Windows Enterprise platform, and so yeah. it lives on in some form. But it's not; it's certainly not what it used to be. But I don't know that it, if they hadn't been acquired, I don't know that they would be any better off than they than they ended up. No, I think that's fair. I I, I do think though. So I think that's one, that's one side of it is is sort of how have they done with acquisition in the past and and it's really it's really hard to judge those things like they're so complicated. But I, the other the other thing that I think matters is you know the the part of the business of Microsoft. I mean, we talk about Microsoft and how Microsoft thinks and what Microsoft says. The truth is, Microsoft is an enormous company with tons of people in it, and different parts of Microsoft operate very differently. Um, you know, the, my under, what I, from what I've read, the the Windows team has finally sort of come into the 21st century in terms of their engineering practices and the operating model, and um, the Office team isn't even quite there yet. Uh, but the you know sort of dev div right, the the developer tools division of Microsoft, um, which has always been farther ahead on all this stuff, it's where a lot of the open source, pretty much all of the open source interaction has come from, or at least most of it. Um, that's that's where GitHub lives. I mean, this GitHub is a developer tool, basically by definition, and that's where it's going to live. in sort of the big, the, you know, the giant org chart is under the developer tool side, which is completely different from the side of the business where Skype came in. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with it too. I think the people, you know, one of the one of the sort of best takes that I've seen is like, do you do you not realize that the people who are going to be are going to be making the decisions about GitHub are the people who have to answer to the people who use it, right? Like, right, like right. whole giant divisions of Microsoft use GitHub as their primary platform now. It's those people's bosses who are making the decisions about how to run GitHub. Like, they're like not to say that they can't screw it up. They can. It's just they are going to feel it if they do. Like, and there's not going to you're not going to have this sort of oh they're ignoring their customers problem. Like they will they're going to be sitting next to their customers because their customers are their own colleagues. So right. there, there's a pretty strong incentive not to drastically screw it up. Again, not to say that they can't, but I, I think it's different than a lot of other kinds of, of acquisitions. Yeah, I think that's... I, right. I, hold on. I, so I kind of want to jump in here because I've, I've got one question that's itching at the back of my mind is how are GitHub and Team Foundation Server going to oh, play yes. this? There's, there's the, there's the $50,000 question. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think it's a really good question though. And I, and there's been a ton of you know memes of, of uh, you know, the, trying to trying to make get GitHub more TFS like and uh, I don't know I, I a lot of people are sort of dismissing a lot of sort of pro Microsoft people are sort of dismissing that oh they obviously wouldn't do that they serve different niches they're you know targeting different audiences whatever but it's not nearly as obvious to me that they wouldn't try to unify them or create some kind of integration or I don't know what it would look like but it it feels like it would be more in you know kind of in line with Microsoft's general strategy. To, to do something there. I don't think they'll literally merge them. I don't think. Uh, but but I don't think it's safe to say that they're going to remain completely independent. Yeah, I, 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 I think I would kind of be surprised if they remain completely independent. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like having, yeah, having two independent things like that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. I think that, yeah, it seems like that would be something where they would either merge or they'd kill one of them off, and I can't see why they would acquire GitHub to kill it yeah, off. Yeah, no, well... Well, right. except that goes back to the question of why did Microsoft buy GitHub in the first place, right? I, if, if it's true that they are struggling with their financials, they didn't buy them for their growth potential, right? The, the general consensus is they bought them for their mind share, 
It's that this is where the developers are. They want developers' attention, so they bought the place where the developers are, basically, right? That doesn't require, as long as they can keep people from jumping ship, it doesn't require them to keep GitHub in its current form necessarily. Wait, 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 hold on a second. What do you mean they're buying? Sorry, I, sorry to cut you off, James. What do you mean they're buying the mind share? Because so, are you are you talking about the the GitHub developers? Or are you talking about the the developers that use GitHub to to host their code, like like you, me, and and Kevin and James? Yeah, that's what I what I'm saying is, you know, we we talked about GitHub's you know business model and could they make money and so forth. Part of the, part of their success, but also their challenge is the model they followed was make it free, right? Get essentially get people hooked on free. It's the same as as the whole bring your own device to work, right? Ten years ago, you couldn't bring your own device to work. You couldn't put your your phone on the company's Wi-Fi, etc., right? It, it, it was all locked down. So they, but, but the, you know, the iPhone became so popular. People said, what do you mean? I can't do this. Right. It's, it's that kind of idea of, of people like the tool so much for their home, for their personal use that they then want to use it at work and it drives adoption in the enterprise. That right. certainly did happen to a certain degree. GitHub enterprise does exist. It is used in a lot of places, but apparently not enough, at least not enough to cover their costs. And where a lot of those costs are driven by the, the, free users, right? The people like certainly me and probably all of you also who are freeloading off of GitHub, right? And getting all this stuff for free. So Microsoft... I I subscribe, but that's okay. (laughs) But Microsoft has much less to worry about there. Whereas GitHub, the only use of all the free users for them is driving the paid users, right? That's the only benefit they get. Microsoft can get so much more benefit off of the free users. It's eyeballs on their entire ecosystem. Whatever they put up there people are going to interact with. So even if even if GitHub remain even if GitHub remains independent and remains and continues to lose money, it may still be worth it for Microsoft to to own that sort of captive audience. Well, another and another hot take along those lines that I saw was um, tied in with their acquisition of LinkedIn. There were a lot of questions about why would they why would they buy LinkedIn? And um, they somebody somebody and uh, I wish I could attribute this, but somebody on the internet today said um, Microsoft now owns the two biggest platforms for technical recruiting in the world. Darn right, right. LinkedIn is where you is where you go to look for a job, and GitHub is where you point all your potential employers to show what you've done. Right, and so so Microsoft now has the opportunity to control basically the recruiting pipeline for technology companies. And that is, and that is no small. That is no small thing. I said, yeah, but Google knows where all the bodies are buried. Well, right, and and to some extent, that's that's probably why. But but it, but at the same time, they made a bid for this too, right? And so it it, it stands to reason. And and I and I think that actually gives credence to that theory. If Google wanted it, Google is certainly only interested in sources of information that they can use for for the purposes of carrying out whatever activity they want to carry right they are they are a data they are a data mining organization first oh, yeah. and foremost and they want to use that to sell advertising and they want to use that to sell subscriptions and services right that's their business model so if they were interested in this information then it stands a reason the the open source code isn't particularly valuable or monetizable because it's already open and it's public and it's free, right? But the but the and and I think David, you're right, is that the attention on the platform is is monetizable and is valuable, and it, even if it's not directly monetizable, even if you don't sell a single additional GitHub subscription, you now have 
at very least access to all the data, if not an, an ability to introduce features or capabilities or promotions or whatever you want to do to uh, drive more of that more of that share to wherever it is that you want recruiting to take place. If it's for you or if it's for your partners or if it's your subsidiaries or if it's for your customers, right? Whoever it is, you've now got a, a, a pretty compelling um, we can find you developers platform. Yeah. And I right. think it's, I think it goes beyond that to just, you know, I, honestly, I think GitHub has, has, there was a lot of potential that GitHub could have tapped to maybe keep themselves independent that they never did. I think where they, where they succeeded early on in their lifetime, when both, when the other sort of code hosting sites failed was making coding social, right? The, the history of GitHub is, right. is the fork and the pull request. Nobody else had that. Like we take it for granted right now, but that was a, a unique thing at the time of, you, it's not just that you, I can go online and I can see your code. It's that I can make my own copy. I can make a change. I can trivially not, you know, without emailing patches, I can trivially get that change back in, you know, and it, it created the idea of collaborative social coding that Git by itself, even though Git facilitated it, Git by itself was never quite going to get there. Not in, not in the mainstream, right? Plenty of people right. used it that way, uh, but, but more in the hardcore open source community, Gen mainstream developers were never going to use it like that until they had a way to, that made it easily, that made it social, that you could come together and collaborate easily. GitHub did that in spades, but then they stopped. From my perspective anyway, they stopped there. They, you have this big social web of developers and they're not doing anything with it. Like they, they're not, I mean, I, you can think of a half dozen easy things. If they thought of themselves almost more as a social network around code, I think there's a tons of places you could go, and I think if Microsoft recognizes that and does something with it, they don't need, you know the tie-ins to their existing ecosystem can be subtle. The weight of it is so huge that a subtle link is all you need, and you're going to drive tons of traffic and and mindshare towards the rest of their ecosystem. Yeah, and I've even seen and I've seen little sparks of that uh, that behavior that you're talking about that sort of that social behavior. Um, there's a colleague of mine who has a very popular GitHub repository. It's called Karate. It's a testing framework. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, and and it's one of the things that that he when when he talks about it internally, he always talks about the number of stars he has, and the number of stars he has has driven visibility, and that visibility has then gotten people to look at his other repositories, notice that there our organ you know our organization because he, he he publishes it under the Intuit name, so it comes back to you know, now our organization is uh, is an open source leader. We've got a repository that's got a gajillion stars. I don't even know what number he's at right now, but it's a lot, right? And and that that aspect is something that that is valuable and that you know that our corporate leadership values and uses that to drive again. And really, most of that is a recruiting play. It's like our customers don't really care all that much about the fact that. We have a really popular open source repository, but when we're trying to acquire developers, um, that that becomes a huge factor, and it's something that we advertise. So, yeah, I think I think you're right that they they're on the precipice of doing it, but they never really they never really really capitalized on that. I think that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. So I guess while we're while we're talking about sort of you know kind of companies and 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 trust and things, there was one other thing that I want to talk about briefly, and then maybe we'll wrap up. Is um, is the idea so one of the the things and we touched on it a little bit earlier about you know what organization would you would you use in your cloud cloud provider and all that? Um, I want to go back to Apple for a second and talk about 
sort of the trust level with Apple versus some of the other tech organizations, Facebook being sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, and what that really means for ad tech, and maybe what that means for, for Microsoft going forward. Because it seems like Microsoft has never has not really embraced that sort of, um, we're going to sell your data, but nor have they really denied it. Apple has come out very publicly and said, uh, our customers are not our product. Our products are our hardware and to some extent our music. And we want to sell you phones and iPads and MacBooks, mostly phones and iPads, really. Um, and we don't, we don't want to sell your data. In fact, we're going to prevent ourselves from having access to your data. Facebook and Google, on the other hand, have basically said or not, you know, not, not said, but basically said, yeah, we're going to gather as much information as we possibly can about you, process it, and then sell it to... I wouldn't even say the highest or lowest bidder. Anybody who's got a buck. Anybody. Anybody. anybody mostly Russia. Um, <laughs> but anybody who, who wants that information can get it and get it pretty cheap, right? And it seems like a lot of other tech companies haven't taken a stand. And then Microsoft actually stands in the middle of they've never, they've never really taken a position on this. And, and some of that trust maybe would be, maybe they could, do they stand to gain something by coming out on an Apple-like stance and saying, we are absolutely against monetizing your data, or are they better off sort of sitting in the middle waiting for this to play out? Or do we think that the reason they haven't done it is that in the background, they're really doing that? No, I don't know. I mean, certainly if they just wait a little while, the outrage engine will die down, and then it won't be quite as big as an issue um, as what people are making it out to, to be today. But this also, it, it feels like GitHub is a little bit more of a unique um, acquisition, a unique uh, thing that they have. You know, the, the only thing they've gotten that has nearly that same kind of a social aspect to it is LinkedIn. Doesn't seem like they've really done anything with that, and so I, yeah, I don't know. It would be I would be happy if they came out and and took an Apple-like stance about um, supporting the privacy of of people's data, but I don't know if they can, um, especially not when they run a social network um, where Apple at least, uh, well, I guess they don't because they've tried and failed uh, at least a few times. Uh, R.I.P. Ping. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, Yep. Yeah, like uh, yeah, I'd like to, to to hear them do it, but I don't, I, I don't know if they can. Um. I will say LinkedIn is a little bit of a different social network in that they have been extraordinarily honest from the start that this is like this is a platform where we are definitely going to sell the information you give us to recruiters right. and to companies so that they can find you and add you to their network. Right. But that's sort of the purpose of the platform, right? Yeah. The, the 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 gate of entry is. You can pay us and get all this information and people give it with the express purpose of that happening where I feel like Facebook, Google Plus or whatever, um, yeah. you know, and some of the others, Twitter really like didn't, weren't clear about that mm -hmm. from the start. And people went into the platform not really thinking about that as the purpose where I do feel like LinkedIn, I give them a little bit of a pass because they've always been pretty upfront and honest about that's what that's what they're doing. And, and that's why you that's actually why you want to put your information in there. Right. And at the very least with 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 LinkedIn, I mean, I as as a user, I, I get a very real, very direct benefit out of that because I mean, who's reaching out? Who they're selling their information to are people that I actually want to have my information like that. So, like, I, I, I want recruiters to have that information because, I mean, as a job seeker, dude, 
I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. I want to work really hard at being really lazy. Um, I want them to reach out to me because it's a whole lot easier for me to be able to pick and choose the places that I'm going to be happy as, as, as opposed to me like getting like overwhelmed with the, the BS ads and everything. It's like, Hey, you know what? We have this really niche thing that I bet I can sucker Joe blow over there to pay way too much for it. In the sense of like general advertising. I don't know. I'm being rather cynical, but yeah, I found my last three jobs through LinkedIn, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm all in on the benefit of their of their platform and Yeah. I'm, no, I really know. like that. Yeah. I, I think I think in terms of Microsoft coming out, you know, sort of having a stance, part of me says I don't see any reason why they can't do it, even with LinkedIn involved. I mean, all you have to do is be very explicit and say, yes, LinkedIn does this and we don't do it everywhere else. I think that's not too difficult. I think, to be perfectly honest, I think the problem is Microsoft is just kind of tone deaf here. Like, like they, this is an area where Microsoft has always failed. They have never done a good job with media relations and branding and like, like, prom- like promoting themselves in a positive way has just never been their forte, right? Like the 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 infamous Mac versus Windows or Mac versus PC commercial. You can't you cannot imagine Microsoft ever coming up with something like that. They just they they kind of embody stodgy corporate. And so even though I don't think that they are monetizing data, uh, like if they're doing it, they are incredibly do- good at doing it without anybody noticing because this like i've never heard a sniff conspiracy minor conspiracy theories aside i've never heard a sniff of oh right. microsoft is doing this right which and and to be fair if they are trying to make money off that and none of us know about it then they're probably doing a crap job they're probably not doing a very good job right and this is why like i think they could like i think they could come out with that stance I honestly just don't think that either they don't think they need to or they don't know how to do it well because it is certainly a thing if you don't do it well, you, it can backfire on you. Uh, and and I just think they, they tend to just kind of like they, – they don't – whereas Apple uses those kinds of strong stances as a, pl- as a market play, right? Like they use they, – they stake out territory specifically for the purpose of – building their brand of, of engaging with people. Microsoft has never done that. And then when they've tried, they haven't done it very well. And it, you know, I know I said earlier that Microsoft is a big company with a long history, but despite that, that is one area where they've managed to be strikingly consistent over the last 30 to 40 years is just that sort of that, that they've just never been very strong at, at crafting that message that re- really resonates with people. They're just kind of the old stodgy organization. So I, I, I think that they could, I just don't, even if they did it, I don't know that it would really resonate with people. This, the way that it kind of does, I think you're right, yeah. coming from right. And, from and again, I'm not sure that they really, like, I'm not sure that they really have to, um, but it is it is kind of interesting to see with all the other things, because I, I agree with you in general, David, although, again, some of the things that they've been doing lately have had this spark of a little bit of a difference of different behavior, right? I, I can't imagine the Microsoft of, you know, the, the Windows me Microsoft or the, even the Windows 95 Microsoft uh, thinking of something like, um, like uh, augmented reality when everybody else was going virtual reality or thinking, let's put a touchscreen on everything 
because um, you know we think that's the way people want to interact with stuff and make and taking <laughs> these kind of some of these like fairly bold, progressive, and also very, fairly tech heavy stances. I mean, Microsoft has always made for a software company has made amazing hardware, but but it feels like they're taking some new chances in this in this sort of uh, a different. They are taking a different view, but they still. But but you're right. They still have this sort of blind spot for PR and and even those things that I'm talking about. They're not like I go to the airport and I look around, or I go to Starbucks, I look around and I still see. MacBooks and like and Dells, right? And and I don't yeah. know why I don't see Surface yeah. tablets everywhere. And this is exactly what I'm saying. Is yes, I agree that they make good technology, but they do a crappy yes. job at marketing it. Like I mean, virtually, it's it, it's become a kind of a joke now that almost every new feature that's introduced in in MacBooks or in iPhones, somebody can point to posts from three or four or five years ago about how this already existed in in Surface tablets and other things, but. It doesn't matter. Like, like they get they get almost no credit for that because they're real. They are not good. I don't. I don't. I think marketing saying they're not good in marketing. I think is too simple. Simplistic. They're not good at connecting with their users of telling the story to their users of why this matters to them. I have noticed a campaign recently that really feels like an Apple campaign right up to the point where they say Microsoft Surface that is along that line. It's showing a real person yeah. doing the, the real thing that they do. And look how this is how a Surface helps me do it. That's vintage Apple. And Microsoft historically has done has not done that kind of thing. And maybe they're finally coming around. Maybe they hired some people from Apple. I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know they may finally be getting there. But just historically, it's not I don't think it's so much that they're not connecting with their users. I think it's more that they're not connecting with the people of their that, that, that hold the purse strings. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because a handful of years ago, um, when I was at an organization um, that they, they kind of prided themselves on being the the, the cutting edge of technology, I, I was like, I, I I didn't, I literally did not want a MacBook Pro. What I wanted was a Surface Book. What I wanted was one of their touchscreen books where I could actually do do my computing. I could do it wherever they were I wanted, but I actually had a touchscreen on the front of that. And I couldn't get that because that's not what my IT department was providing me. The only options I could get were, um, were, were MacBook Pros that were, I mean, they were at least a year behind. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was rather frustrating. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree with the fact that, um, that with your statement of they're not connecting with their users, I think they're not connecting with the people that hold the purse strings. I mean, in the enterprise, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, could, I think um, it's both. I could see that. I still think it's more purse strings, but still. If, if yeah, I, if that's, I had the money, I would have bought one of those things a, a while weird. ago. That's a weird place for them to end up because it used to, they used to be the the like the default easy answer and it, and really quite yeah. frankly to to a large extent they are in the in any non technical company you just have a gajillion Windows based laptops land right but that's but that's the same re- that's the same that's like saying that you're going to buy your phone switch from the wow. Bell system I mean this is sorry that's I a understood that joke, but like like uh, sorry my. My, my, my dad worked for Southwestern Bell and sold phone systems for quite a few years. I heard that story a lot. But it's the same thing. It's, it's, they were the 800-pound gorilla, and right. you didn't really have yeah, any other right. choice. Like Even when you did, you really didn't. And that was true for Microsoft for a long time. And you know, it's it, clearly it not true, true anymore. For for a while. There are some people who are yeah. still stuck yeah. Um, yeah, it did. And, and, and to some extent, in, in some corners yeah. still is, but I do think it's changing. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the also key differentiators is that if you want 
uh, Mac OS, you have no choice. You have to buy from Apple. If you want Windows, yes. you have a choice yep. of hundreds of different organizations. And so side, side the value note, proposition is, is very different because, yeah, the Surface hardware is much better. But if you don't care about hardware quality, if all you care is, can I run Windows applications, there are yep. much cheaper options right. than, than Microsoft, even if they absolutely yeah, have the Bell best Bell makes some pretty hardware. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Side note, but it's the something that just annoys the heck out of me. Anytime somebody publishes lists of like popular programming languages or whatever, and Objective C or now Swift is high up in the list. Oh, look how great this language must be because it's so popular. <laughs> no, everybody has <laughs> to use it but because they don't yeah. have a choice. Because Apple is right. not fair point. All right, um, I think with that, let's wrap it up. So um, I guess let's okay. just go around real quick with a closing thought. So you're going to stay on GitHub. I am. Uh, I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay on Git. I'm going to keep my projects on GitHub. I I'm, I'm going to explore GitLab more actually. Okay. Um, but I, I'm not going to shun GitHub because of this, but so I am going to explore Git, GitLab more. Yeah. I've heard at least good things about, uh, GitLab's integrated build system. So maybe something to check out, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to run away and, and ditch GitHub entirely. I was going to say the same thing. I'm certainly not leaving GitHub because of the acquisition, but to be honest, just all the talk over the last couple of days has reminded me that GitLab is really a, a good thing. Like, or it you know, is a thing that it, that is maybe competitive. And so I kind of want to go look at it more just because I think competition is a good thing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm certainly not leaving GitHub. Well, I feel like SourceForge is ready for a comeback. Now is the time. <laughs> Hashtag moving to SourceForge. Let's do it. <laughs> Right. Really, all of this is Microsoft's revenge play for GitHub basically <laughs> pushing CodePlex out of the market. Um, yeah, and, and just, okay, and as we close out, my one last dating myself thing, I did use Visual Source Safe back in the day when it stored its data oh, wow. in an MS Access database. If your repository <laughs> exceeded two gigabytes, it started writing over itself. Oh. And if you were so heretical as to check in oh. a Unix file, it would quote, quote, fix your line endings for you and make your file unreadable. So uh, Microsoft <laughs> has come a long way in terms of source management, I suppose. And this is uh, a, a far cry from where they were 15 years ago when I when I lived with that pain um, and went from there to CVS, which is a whole story for another day. So with that, I think we'll close out. Thank you guys for joining You're us. Thank welcome. you, James. Thanks for having me. James as well. You're welcome, Kevin. And David, thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, anybody who's listened this far, thanks for listening. And uh, make sure to leave us a positive rating, hopefully, and uh, whatever place you got this podcast. And with that, we will sign off. Good night. Good night.